0: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
3: Kaboom!
2: If you thought four hours a day, 1,200 minutes a week was enough... Of the fifth hour with Ben Maller and Gascon Free. Not sullied by anyone west of the 405. It is a one-man band. The podcast must go on. No matter what. Uh, Unless it actually doesn't have to go on. But we do this as a labor of love. Eight days a week because four hours a night, five nights a week. Clearly not enough. The podcast studio which is right next to the radio studio deep in the Northwoods. And I do thank you for supporting the podcast. And now the podcast has done so well that management gets very upset if we do not have a piping hot edition of the Fifth Hour podcast on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. So uh, we provide them, and uh, please keep that up. The, the, that, uh, that helps out the show in a large way, and uh, you guys have been doing a great job at that. Uh, So on this edition of the podcast, uh, we have the title of it should be Revenge of the Nerds. Uh, Revenge of the Nerds, we have that. We also have It's a Downhill Race, Passing in the Night, and whatever else pops up along the way on this edition of the Fifth Hour with Ben Maller. Now, before we get to Revenge of the Nerds, I would like to tell you about Cameo. Uh, this is not a commercial for Cameo. I am not being paid to tell you about Cameo. I just had a funny story I thought you'd appreciate. So this podcast, The Fifth Hour, is dedicated to the extreme fan of the show. I mean, there's a lot of casual listeners of the show, and we have the hardcore, passionate listenership that is through and through a, a really buys into what we do. And boy, I thank you for that. And some of the biggest fans of the show want to take it to the next level and they want to get on Cameo. And and I will do a personalized Mahler monologue. We don't do shout outs on the radio, but we do the, do them on Cameo. And so I got a Cameo request the other day, I'm going to tell you the story briefly here. I won't bore you. And if I bore you, just fast forward through the podcast. So I got a Cameo request. Now, I don't usually promote Cameo that much. And so you know, there's certain times of the year, randomly, I'll get a bunch of Cameo requests. And then other times, I'll get none. And I'm fine with that. It's there. It's something that if you you want it, that's great. Um, there's some people... On that website, cameo that are making their living off that, and good for them. Those are also TV people and movie people. Uh, the cast of The Office, for example, does very well. Uh, a lot of people who grew up watching The Office now are all they're all grown up and they have a lot of disposable income, liquid a- liquid money to toss around. So they love their their cameo. Now uh, we have a, a little bit of a smaller reach on cameo, but I did get a request from a super-duper P1, and I will not reveal the gentleman's name because it was a private cameo, but this uh, gentleman served in the United States Marines, uh, and he's a big fan. He's got a little insomnia, and so he he made the request, and I I felt like this is a special thing. You know, when you go out of your way to to pay a little bit of money on cameo, I want to give you your money's worth. So I did the cameo. He wanted a little pep talk. And I gave him a win one for the gipper type speech, unless I didn't. But I gave what I thought was a decent pep talk, and it's really up to, to him whether he liked it or not. But anyway, the reason I'm telling the story, get to the point, please. All right? I will get to the point. So the reason I told the story uh, or to you, and I'm telling you right now, is because I did the cameo in the studio. I do these things usually in the studio. I have all the equipment. I have a camera. We record the monologues for YouTube, for the company, and so I did the the cameo, kind of like I do this podcast or I do the radio show in the same chair, the same podcast microphone that I use, and I just let it rip. I just let it rip, and and so I sent. The cameo, and you have to upload upload the cameo on my end. My job's pretty simple: do the cameo, upload the cameo, boom, done. Uh, you know, the dumbest person on the block could do it. It's not that hard. So anyway, I, I click the button on the cameo app, and I send the video to the gentleman who is a big fan, and I'm here to, to cheer him up. And it was a special request; it is a 24 hour request. You got to pay a little extra for that. Um, and so I, I did it. And anyway. Uh, Long story, even longer, why not? It's a podcast. So I I forgot about it. I got a message on my phone like two hours later saying that I had not actually posted the cameo. And I said, what what the hell? And I know I did it. I did the thing, and I clicked the button, and it said it was uploading. And so I then tried to upload it again. I noticed that it had not uploaded. The message was correct, so I clicked the upload button on the Cameo, and I said, that's it. Okay, I'm good. And then about 15 minutes later, I checked, and again, it had not uploaded. And so I was like, what the hell? So then I had to contact my rep at Cameo and say, hey, I did the Cameo. I followed the instructions. I clicked the send button on said Cameo, and what the heck's going on here? So they're very polite. Uh, good customer service much better customer service than I've had a lot of people a lot of places I've talked to over the years and and so anyway they they got right back to me and they they you know said that you know whatever it, it had been fixed so it turns out I've been doing cameo wrong uh, I'm bad at cameo. they told me the average cameo that people request, and, and I'm on the very low end of this. I'm nobody. I'm an overnight guy. Uh, who am I? But some of these big TV stars and these movie stars that are on there that, that people love and athletes, the average cameo, you, you want to take a guess how long the average cameo is? You got a guess? Yeah? Uh, how about one minute? One minute. For example, if you're listening to me right now and you've listened to the very beginning of the podcast till now, you've already you would have heard over 6 almost 7 cameos by now, right? Uh, you know, not even including the commercials, but the commercials is probably even longer, but the actual time of me talking on the fifth hour podcast, here is about now it's up to seven, give or take seven cameos. So anyway, I, my cameo to this gentleman was I think over seven minutes long. Like usually there are five. I try to do four, five, six minutes somewhere in there. I went a little long on the pep talk one. So I have been doing too much on the cameo, but screw cameo. I like I like doing these things. You know, from time to time, I don't want to do too many of them. But I, I also don't want to do them too short. I think like one minute's like, you know, that's nothing, man. I do four hours a night and plus an extra three hours on the weekend. But you know, 20 hours a week plus the three hours or more. Sometimes we go even longer on the weekend. So that is the the brief cameo story, which turned into the extended dance remix. Now moving on, the revenge of the nerds. The Revenge of the Nerds, this being the Saturday podcast, which means the life of Malheur. How boring is that? So during the standard Malheur monologue, we do four monologues a night. The the A block of every hour is a monologue. I can't guarantee it's going to be a good monologue. And I try to do a different monologue every hour. During those monologues, mainly because I get bored, uh, mainly because I get bored, and good Programming directors will tell you that you should only do one topic radio and just keep repeating the one topic because the average radio listener does not listen for more than a few minutes. Therefore, I'm actually doing four times the work that I'm supposed to be doing. And, and I've had program directors tell me why not just do one topic and just repeat it. And, and a lot of afternoon shows and morning drive shows. They'll do like two different topics, one hour on one thing and an hour on another. And they do that because there's this sweet spot, the, the sweet spot on radio where it's like the prime rush hour. So the first two hours are like the warm-up act. It's like a lounge act. You're testing out material. I'll give you the inside radio. So you're testing out material, and whatever really clicked, whatever really resonated, at least among the staff of the show, the producer, the board op, the host, That then gets regurgitated in the prime hour because most radio shows are three hours. I do four, but most shows are three hours, and that's kind of the standard. It's become the standard now. And so you do an hour warm-up, try something, an hour, another hour on something else, and then whichever one works, your third hour, you put it all together. So we do the malar Monologues, and I've been known to take gratuitous cheap shots at Brainiacs, Yeah, I'm not that bright. I'm I'm pretty dumb. I'm doing radio. So I like to take my uh, under-the-table, backhanded shots. Baseball executives we call super nerds. The people that run the baseball franchises are the chief nerd. We got the geeks, the Poindexters, you name it, the Ivy League crowd, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this week, I got my comeuppance. This is a global exclusive. No one else has this content. No one else has this content. Content. If I could talk, that would help. So I'm doing the radio show per normal. I'm shouting. I'm yelling. I'm enthusiastically screaming like a crazy person in a studio by myself per normal. It is near the end of the Wednesday show. Eddie says that, hey, I'd like to get a nice photo. So we got the crew together in the main studio, and typically we are not together. I'm in the home studio uh, most of the time now, as I am right now doing this podcast. So this was a rare and appropriate opportunity to get a photo. So, okay, let's do some photos. So in walks Eddie, in walks Roberto, in walks the Coupe de loop and we're all there. The team is all together. We formed Voltron, ready for a little photo. So then uh, Lita Lapp comes over, the producer of the morning show. He's in the building. He comes over. He's the He's the camera guy. Now, during the flash mob photo session, I do what I do most of the time. I do not like the way I look in glasses. I don't. I need them because my parents gave me some very bad eyes, which, you know, I'm fine with. I love them to death, but they they did not give me the the good genes on the eyes. So I I have bifocals and I take my bifocals off, and I I, I usually put them either on my uh, my shirt or I'll put them in my pocket. And uh, in this case, I put the, the 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 eyeglasses in my pocket. It's my right pocket. In my right pocket, I had a set of car keys. So I took the picture. The picture came out okay, fine. And then I had to rush back to the chair because it was about time to talk. The on-air light was coming on, so no time for grab-ass. So I sat down uh, real fast, and then I uh, reached into my pocket to get the glasses out, to put them back on uh, so I could read uh, some comments from you on Twitter and also the, the, screen, the call screener that we had. So I reached into my, my right pocket with my right hand. I'm right-handed. And much to my surprise... The glasses come out, and uh, there's, there's, uh, there's two different parts of the glasses. I now have a matching set, the right part and the left part. I have Jack and Jill, his and hers, glasses, which would not have been a problem if that was the way they were supposed to be, right? And it wouldn't have been an issue if I did not have another couple of segments of radio to do. And I had to finish the show. And as they say in show business, the show must go on. My vision clearly is not that great. It's okay from a distance. My reading is not good. I had a website for years, benmaller.com, and it, it did not go well. You know, it, it 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 went well, actually, but I it didn't go well. My vision didn't go well. So I've I've had two jobs that have effed up. You know, I don't have a real, real job. Like, you know, if you if you work as a contractor or a garbage person or something, you know, construction, something with physical activity, that's like a real job. You work in a factory, right? You're, you're, you're more, you've got more machismo than me. Uh, but I, I do have the side effects of radio and the internet job that I had is my hearing is terrible because of the radio, the headphones and the vision is uh, pretty shitty and that is a byproduct of my parents inheriting some bad vision. They both wore glasses, but also just being in front of computers, just being in front of computers and monitors and things you know, many hours a day to, to get ready to do the show, to do the show and all that stuff. So anyway, getting back to the story. So I've now broken my glasses. I've got to finish the show. That was only the start of... Of my problem. And I didn't realize at the time. But my vision, as I said, not that great. I really need the glasses to drive. right? So I have to have the glasses. Well, I was in studio. I have a long drive home. I moved very far away from the studios. The main studios in Sherman Oaks in uh, Southern California. On the corner of Sepulveda and Ventura. And the beautiful San Fernando Valley. So I moved very far away. And that's one of the reasons I don't come in that often because I'm not close to the studio. And Los Angeles traffic, even working my shift, is terrible. At least half of it's terrible. So I'm like, what am I going to do? I can't drive home without the glasses. I guess I could, but that's a little bit of risky. As Bruce Arian says, no risk it, no biscuit. So I'm talking to Roberto. I'm like, hey, Roberto, look what happened. I pull out the glasses, the, the half, the right and the left half of my glasses. I throw them down on the table right in front of Roberto. Roberto looks at him, and he smiles. He's always smiling Roberto. And he says, you got to go Kurt Rambis. You got to go Kurt Rambis, 1980s NBA. And I said, you know what? You're damn right. I got to do that. And so that's exactly what I did. And then I went into the, the newsroom, the update studio, where Eddie works. And I'm... Ch- I'm Chatting with Eddie, catching up on life and whatnot. And so Eddie then helped me. And he held the glasses together. I then took scotch tape and proceeded to scotch tape said glasses uh, together right in the middle. And I put them on and went out to my car. The, it's really my Halloween costume. Like all all I was missing was the pocket protector and I had a full Poindexter look. Instant nerd kit. Mil, think Milhouse from The Simpsons, Dwight in the office, the It's Pat movies, Napoleon Dynamite, any of those. Nerd emoji. So anyway, uh, I do have a backup pair of of glasses. I was able to get those. But it is off to Costco we go for a new pair of bifocals. Get out the credit card, Grandma. These things aren't cheap. These are prescription glasses. Holy Moses. That's going to be a pricey one. All right. uh, Moving on, it is a downhill race. What is this all about? Well, again, back at the mothership this week, a couple of live shows. We'll have a couple of more shows the upcoming week. I'll be at the National League Championship Series when it shifts back to Los Angeles. I'm very excited about that. I love playoff baseball. There's a energy in the air, and it's a lot of fun. So this past week I was covering the Dodger-Giants series. Good win by the Dodgers. Great call by the home plate umpire, by the way, again. Just want to say that on the podcast in case you missed – the radio program if you somehow were not able to tune in a tremendous job by the umpire in the ninth inning what a call what a call my favorite umpire Gabe Morales and this led us to to remind you there is no official definition of a swing Uh, There is no official definition of a swing. The word swing appears in the official baseball rules 21 times. 15 times it's in text. Six times it's in the index. None of those appearances in the official baseball rule book include the definition of a swing. It is a judgment call. And in the judgment of Gabe Morales, that was a good... There's no distance too far for the perfect trip.
3: Hi,
0: checking in for...
3: Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
2: Swing by Wilmer Flores of the Giants against Max Scherzer to end the game, and I agree. I agree. Good job by you, Mr. Morales. Solid. Umpire. anyway yeah I'm, I'm getting sidetracked here bad job by me so let me tell you the backstory so i go to the dodger giants games in la and it, you know, in person and it, it's you know i'm much closer to get to the sherman oak studios than the Mallor mansion home studio in the northwood so i hightail it out of the ballpark i have to leave right at the final out of the game i leave as late as possible sometimes if the game goes long i have to leave early so I, I run down the hill. Dodger Stadium is built in a uh, very hilly area there, right, overlooking the skyline of downtown L.A. So I run down. The ball game ends. I run down to lot 14. That's usually where I park. Not always. Not always. Uh, we don't believe in momentum on the show. We don't believe there is momentum. But in the foot race downhill, that does exist. And so I'm running out of Dodger Stadium off the reserve level and sprinting as far as I can down the hill. And so if you're one of our listeners in Cali, in SoCal, you likely know the area. I park real close to the Los Angeles Fire Department Training Center. It's, it's a memorial. It's named after somebody. I forget who it's named after. But that building used to be a Naval and Marine Reserve Center. It's actually a California historic landmark. And they've filmed, much like everything else in LA, they've filmed a bunch of TV shows and movies over the years that have been filmed there. And what I like about that, you know, it, it's a good reminder because there's a piece of the World Trade Center South Tower that is at the Los Angeles Fire Department Training Center right near Dodger Stadium there. And it's a tribute to. To all of those firefighters, it was over 300 firefighters, I think close to 350 that died on September 11th, 2001. Which it's uh, crazy that it's been been 20 years. But uh, so that 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 part kind of near that, and uh, L.A. sent a bunch of firefighters uh, to help out. Their brothers and sisters in New York, and so the people in New York as a gift sent back a piece of the World Trade Center as a memorial. So it's kind of cool, and it's, all, it's hidden and all that. Anyway, again, I'm getting sidetracked. I apologize. It's a podcast. That's what this is for. So anyway, that's why I park, and uh, I had a fun time catching up with a bunch of old friends, people I hadn't seen in a long time. Hadn't been to a game in a while prior to that Dodger-Cardinal game that I had gone to. So uh, I had been on the Dodger beat from the mid to early 90s to the mid-2000s, and now I go sporadically. But I've been going to games for a gazillion years, and I know a lot of the people work the behind the people that work behind the scenes, but there's so many new faces. Like there's only a handful of people that I know really well. There's other people that I know a little bit, and I'm not the most social guy. I'm an introvert. But it is crazy how fast time goes by. I was standing uh, right in front of the Dodger dugout with a buddy of mine, who's worked for the team since the 1970s. And he looked out at the outfield, and I looked out at the outfield, and we had sensory overload from all of the advertisements. And I'm not against it. I'm not ripping them. I'm just saying how different is The, the, The people that own the Dodgers, the Guggenheim group, this hedge fund group, they have squeezed every dollar out of that ballpark. And when I started going out there, Peter O'Malley owned the team, the O'Malley family that had taken the team from Brooklyn and the spawn of Walter O'Malley, Peter O'Malley, who was very kind to me. Uh, And anyway, uh, they, they didn't have any other advertising. There was a 76 sign for gasoline, and there were maybe one or two other ads. I think Farmer John Hot Dogs, which is not now associated with the Dodgers, was out there. Um, and, and then that was it. And now it is, again, sensory overload. Uh, the, the other thing that I, no- I notice every time I go there, uh, and I mentioned running down the hill at Dodger Stadium earlier here, but the parking lots. I mean, that's the other thing. 50% of all parking revenue goes to Frank McCourt, the previous owner of the Dodgers. You talk about one of the great deals. I put that right up there, the, the story. I think this deal ended, but the ABA team in St. Louis, the St. Louis Spirit, I think they were called, or Spirits, I think Spirit, and they made a deal when the ABA and the NBA merged, if I remember, and I'm, I'm you know, as I understand it, maybe I'm wrong and you can correct me, I'm just the just a podcast guy now on the weekends and an overnight guy. But uh, as, I, as I remember the story, they, they'd made a deal. The ABA and the NBA merged. There was a fusion, and the St. Louis team was not included in that. And to end a lawsuit to prevent them from suing, they were promised a portion of the NBA television revenue, like forever. There was no end date. There was no expiration date on it. And so the NBA, when they sliced up their revenue pie for all those years from the ABA-NBA merger up until a couple years ago. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip.
0: Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it
3: Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK systems. sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
2: The same check that would go to the Lakers, Clippers, Knicks, Timberwolves, Rockets, Miami Heat, Orlando Magic, Golden State Wars, whoever, doesn't matter. Would go to the St. Louis Spirit. They would get a percentage of the national television revenue from the NBA TV package. It's an insane amount of money. So I anyway, am Frank McCourt, this guy that used to own the Dodgers. Uh, my buddy, you know, my buddy was, we were talking about how much money uh, once a year the Dodgers have to cut a check. They don't do it every month, but once a year they balance the books and determine how much money they need to give to Frank McCourt. And it's a it's a massive amount of money, as you might imagine. And so I was talking to my buddy who's worked for the Dodgers since the O'Malley days, and he told me something that shocked me. He says, you know what, Ben, I, I've heard you over the years take shots at Frank McCourt, and I do. I admit, guilty as charged. He said, you know, I've, I've worked for a lot of different owners here, and... This guy works behind the scenes, by the way. He said that he does not have a bad thing to say about Frank McCourt. That Frank McCourt, more than anyone else just about that has been around there in the ownership side, treated the working stiff, the hoi polloi, the unwashed behind the scenes better than anyone. And that he was a big tipper and he you know, those were his guys. He liked to hang out with them and... So the parking lot attendant who just collects money for money for nothing, money for nothing turned out not a bad guy, at least those that knew him, at least those that knew him. I, I'll have to tell the story sometime because I actually got to go into the owner's office at Dodger Stadium because of Frank McCord. I got called in to the carpet, called onto the carpet in the uh, in the ownership meeting uh, I had with Frank years ago. Uh, when he was trying to hold on to the Dodgers. All right, now passing in the night, passing in the night. What is this all about? Well, it is. It's been neat. I mentioned you know the studio, and I I love the energy of coming to the studio. I love having a radio studio in my home. I never thought I would have that. Uh, I built a station for WEEI when I was doing remote broadcast back to Boston, and I had that. And then New Zealand, I used it for my New Zealand broadcast. And and then I kind of got away with it. I I got let go from Boston. I had to leave that job. It was actually my decision because I'm now picked up by the Sports Hub. We've been on the Sports Hub, which is the rival of WEI in Boston. So we've been on there for a while. Anyway, um, just get to the point, please, on this. So I've been in the studio a little bit recently, and – it, it was kind of neat because when I get done with my show, for years working out of that studio, I'd get done, the morning show would come on, and the morning show was in Chicago or Cincinnati or Indianapolis or Washington, D.C. or Milwaukee or New York City, uh, anywhere, fill in the blank. It wasn't in Los Angeles at the studio, but now it is, at least part of it, the morning show that follows the Ben Maller show with Jonas Knox and LeVar Arrington and Brady Quinn. A couple of jocks and uh, a cup of Joe, right? Something like that? A couple? Yeah. I think that's the name. Of it. Anyway, we had Jonas on the podcast. I forget, though. It's uh, very early in the morning uh, as I am recording this. Anyway, so it was nice to see the fellas. And uh, me and LeVar, you know, I remember LeVar, we talked about him. when He was a star in college and then with the Washington Redskins and a uh, cool guy. Cool guy, catching up with him. And LeVar actually lives, I can't say where he lives, but he lives in a place I used to live. And of course, he likely lives in a bigger house than I lived in, being, a, you know, having all that NFL money, but we were telling stories about the neighborhood. And I didn't realize he lived in that area. I had no idea. And I, I got to get LeVar on the podcast, I got to make that happen. Uh, always good to hang out with Jonas. Always a good time to, to see Jonas. We go way back. And I remember when Jonas started at the company, and it's one of the reasons we got him on the podcast. I was like, "Hey, Jonas, I mean, I'm here. I, why don't we do the podcast uh, last week?" And um, but m- most every morning show, we've had a lot of morning shows since I started at Fox Sports Radio when it began. And I'm trying to think how many morning hosts can I name that followed me at one point or another, whether I was the weekend host or the. Uh, the full-time host during the week. Uh, now, Steve Zabin, love Zabe. We've been trying to get Zabe on the podcast. Zabe is a good radio guy. I love radio guys. Steve Zabin, I am a fan. Love Zabe. He was very positive to me early on when I started at Fox Sports Radio, and I was drowning on a nightly basis, and he was very kind. And the problem we've had getting Zabe on is Logistically. He does a couple of radio shows a day, does a morning show he's part of in Milwaukee, and then he does an afternoon-type show in D.C. And typically when he's on would be the windows I record the podcast. So we've been able to get him on, but I'd love to try to work that out at some point, have Zabe on the podcast. Uh, There was a morning show, Zach and Jack. If you're a Fox Sports Radio historian, you might remember that. Stephen A. Smith. I wonder whatever happened to him. Stephen A. was one of the morning hosts. Now I'm talking about the East Coast morning show. There's a West Coast morning show, which Tony Bruno hosted, and Dan Patrick's been doing it for years. Um, who else? Mike North and Andy Furman. We've had both those lads on. Good people, good radio guys. Clay Travis, uh, who's replaced Rush Limbaugh. Can you imagine that? Replacing the GOAT Rush Limbaugh. And Clay's been doing that, so. But it's a rare treat. You know I was, was weird. Like I had to get my stuff and leave and get out of there because it's the, you know, it's the other shows coming in. You know, nip, typically when there's no other show in there, you can put your feet up and you don't have to hurry. You can take your time. You can pick your nose, uh, get a cup of water, uh, do whatever you want. Uh, you know, grab your ass. It doesn't matter. Uh, but when there's somebody in there, we only have a few minutes, and uh, so that's how that goes. Now. I was gonna get to let's get scientifical. I, I just want let me give you one story. We don't have a lot of time, and we we have more podcasting to do. And there's also a Dodger game with the Atlanta Braves today. That uh, I am distracted. Yeah, you might guess when we're recording this. Uh, anyway, uh, live. It's almost live. It's just just almost live. Just hours before. Anyway, so the unexpected radio signals. I'll give you that because it's kind of radio related. And we'll, this will be our closer. So that's the headline here. And what is the story? All right. So the headline, unexpected radio signals detected in deep space may reveal hidden planets. Now, may is a classic weasel word. This comes from Brisbane, Australia. Shout out Aussie Momentum. Shout out Aussie Guy and the several other proud members of the Maller Militia who are not as well-known, but live in Australia. Because in Australia, we're not a dopey overnight show. We're like an evening show. Uh, So so anyway, uh, the, the, the story comes from Queensland University using the world's most powerful radio antenna. And they have made a discovery. Surprising radio waves coming from distant stars that may be revealing the presence of undiscovered planets in those solar systems. How cool is that? story says that they have discovered signals from 19 distant red dwarf stars, four of which are best explained by the existence of planets orbiting them. This comes from someone who has studied the planets, the cosmos, and, uh, and looked into all that, and so they that's what they're saying, all because of the radio waves, that is cool to think about, that when we do the terrestrial radio show, it gets boomed out into the heavens, into the cosmos. And in theory, if there is a creature like us that has the ability to hear as we know it, then that said creature would be able to hear The noise, they wouldn't likely understand what we're saying unless there's some kind of advanced species of human being, but they just hear the sound of blah, 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 blah. And interstellar gas will be fueling. So actually, we could, that could be my new nickname, interstellar gas man or gas bag man. I am gas bag man here, but providing interstellar gas... I might have to use that at the top of the hour one of these days. Maybe I'll, I'll add that to my, my repertoire, if you will. Oh, That's kind of cool. So, yeah, I, I do. We talked about this on the podcast before. But I am in the camp. There is other life out there. I think there's a lot of life out there. Even if this planet is a mistake, that doesn't mean we're the only mistake. There are other mistakes and they're likely crazier and wilder and goofier and more outrageous. Whatever you could possibly imagine, it's either better or worse than that. Like, I look up and, you know, not, listen, I don't do this that often. I work overnight, but and you do too probably if you listen to the radio show. But when I have some downtime, maybe on the weekends, and I go out, and if I'm away from the city lights, and I look up in the sky, and I look at all of those stars. And I say even if there's less than 1%, even if there's less than 1% of those planets that have life, that's a lot. I mean, there is an endless amount. And just think every star that we see, there's like a bunch of other planets around it. The math on that is insane. Anyway, listen, have a wonderful rest of your Saturday. If you did not catch the Jerome see CNN headline sports, I love Jerome. And that was a great story. He told a couple of really good stories on that I recommend going back and listening to. Jerome told the story about meeting Jolton Joe DiMaggio, Jolton Joe DiMaggio back in the day. And also, he is most known as the CNN guy, and he explained the origin of Jerome Jordanovich, how he started saying that. And it is a wonderful broadcast-type behind-the-scenes story. Very relatable. Anybody that's ever done radio for a day or television can relate to that, or even a podcast. you got to he- hit a heart out. you got to hit a heart out. And Jerome started you know, screaming his name in part because of that. You can hear him tell the story on the Friday edition of the podcast. We'll catch you on Sunday. We'll have a big, bad mailbag. Until then... Aloha, mahalo, arrivederci, sayonara, adios, muchachos.
1: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.